0: to see you this morning. I'm on a series of messages this month, one more after today, entitled Living Above Sea Level. That's S-E-E, sea level, beyond what you can see. And my text is from 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. Say it with me if you will. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. I began this series with a message entitled Learn to Rest. What I'm doing this month is trying to each Sunday give you a different key to entering into that place where you're above sea level, where you're walking by faith, where you're connected with that unseen world in fellowship with God, where you have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil, because that's the will of God for all of us. Amen? Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. That's His desire and His will for us. and We want to reach that. So I talked to you, the first key was learn to rest. Last Sunday, I, I talked to you about becoming a worshiper. If you will become a worshiper, you will always have the attention of God. And, um, and that fellowship is so vitally important. Today, I want to share with you this title, Pray Without Ceasing. And I'm taking that text. Uh, I'm taking that subject from a subtext that I'll use. First Thessalonians 5:17, and it simply says, "Pray without ceasing." Say that with me. Pray without ceasing. That's uh, a, a, a level of prayer and fellowship with God that we can enter into. Now, I want to briefly address three things in this message today, how to pray, when to pray, and where to pray. And let's pause and ask the Lord to help us today with that, shall we? Father, I thank you for your presence that we've enjoyed in a wonderful way here this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing upon our praise and worship. And we pray now that you will come and help us with the Word of God. Let the Word go beyond our ears and let it reach way down into our heart and touch even to our spirit for the will of God to be accomplished in our lives. In Christ's name we pray, and amen. First of all, how to pray. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because a couple of months ago I I was doing a whole series dealing with prayer. And I've shared this with you already, so I'm not going to go in depth again, I'm just going to hit the, the, the highlights of it, because if we want to know how to pray, I don't know any place better to go than the Bible itself, and to our example in all things, who is the Lord Jesus? You will recall in Matthew chapter 6, it is recorded that the disciples of Jesus came to him with this question, Lord would you teach us to pray? And he answered in the affirmative and, in fact, did teach them how to pray. And so we're going to look at that. We refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. Really, the Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17, a very long prayer that he prayed. But he taught his disciples to pray. He gave them a model prayer. I like that model prayer better than than, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Um, So let's read it again. Most of you can quote it. It's Matthew 6, 9 to 13. In this matter, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said... Amen. That's the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Now, on that Sunday morning that, that I dealt with the Lord's prayer specifically, I also offered you a, a little. Uh, I put this on cardstock, so it's a not not as flimsy. as just a piece of paper. I keep I keep these with me. I got them all over the place. I got them in my Bibles at home. I got them in my Bibles here, and uh, I've probably got twenty Bibles. Um, But I I keep this always handy so that when I pray I'm never where I can't get a hold of this because it's the Lord's Prayer and it's, it's outlined for you. That's really what Jesus gave it for. Now, it's fine to say the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I think it's Luke's rendition of the Lord's Prayer. He said, "'When you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.'" And that's wonderful. I do that. I I say the Lord's Prayer. But it's also given as a skeleton where you can put the meat to it and use it as an outline for praying. It will help you in your praying. In fact, it's very easy to take this little outline of the Lord's Prayer and pray a half hour or even an hour, or even expand it beyond that. But it's just a tool, and there's many good tools. I I also have a tool, maybe some of you have seen the uh, uh, the outline of praying through the tabernacle, where you go through the old tabernacle uh, and pray at the different spots in the tabernacle. You stop at the uh, at the altar of sacrifice, you stop at the laver, and, and, and so forth, right through. And certain things that you pray at each one of these stations, and that's a good tool. I use that occasionally, too, when I pray. But my favorite, of course, is the Lord's Prayer. And... Uh, Oh, the, I'm just going to go through that outline very quickly with you. He starts off by telling us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, Jesus said, When you come before your Father, begin your prayer with a praise and a worship to him. Hallowed be thy name. In other words, you're hallowing the name of the Lord. You're, you're magnifying, you're honoring, you give reverence and respect to the name of your heavenly Father. And in this little outline, I give you eight of the Hebrew words that correspond with the six covenant declarations that we have under the new covenant, the new testament that God has given us. And, and it's wonderful when you go through that. He, he, he's Jehovah he he's God our righteousness. He's Jehovah Makedesh, he's God our sanctification. He's Jehovah Shalom, he's God our peace. He's Jehovah Shama. He's the God who is there, the ever-present one, the omnipresent God. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah God, our healer. And when I pray that, I pray, Lord, you're not only my healer, you're my health. Amen? And he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord God who provides. He's our provider and our provision. He's Jehovah Nissi. He's our banner, and his banner over us is love. He's Jehovah-Rohi, he is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil. Because he's with me. His rod and staff comfort me. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Glory to God. Surely Mr. Goodness and Miss Mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's Jehovah-Rohi. Hallelujah. Next, Jesus says, after you have worshipped the Lord and you have prayed that. I told the early service this morning, the first thing I say, the first thing out of my mouth when my feet hit the floor in the morning is, Oh Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, praise his name and then pray for his kingdom to come. Remember, Jesus taught us that if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things that we need will be added to us. So where should we start with our request? Praying for the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done. And I pray that over my family members, over my children, and over my grandchildren, and now my great-grandchildren, and my in-laws. That may be a little difficult for some of you. But you say, well, preacher, you don't know my in-laws. They're my enemies. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Amen? (laughs) Pray for them. No, I think most of us are blessed with good in-laws. Thank the Lord God blessed me with a good mother-in-law. She's gone to glory now. A good father-in-law, he's gone to glory. Both of Faye's parents died many years ago. My folks died way back in the 80s. I've got, I've got a lot to go to heaven for. I've got a brother up there that, uh, that was killed when he was seven years old. And uh, I can hardly wait to get to heaven and see what the family's like. And God has blessed us in so many ways. But I pray for the kingdom of God to come. And you're t- you say, well, preacher, that sounds kind of out there. What, what are you really praying for when you're praying for the kingdom of God to come? Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drinks, but it's, it's <laughs> glory to God. It's peace and joy. It, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So I pray that in my children's life. Lord, I pray for your righteousness to be, be formed in them. I pray for them to have your peace. I quote that scripture over there in Isaiah. Great shall be the peace of thy children. All of thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Joy shall be in their lives. Don't you want your kids to be filled with joy? Pray that into their lives. Joy in the Holy Ghost. There's where the joy is. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. I thought some of you were going to shout a while ago. We were singing that last song. Some of you were shouting. Praise God. The joy of the Lord's your strength. Don't be afraid to be joyful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. And uh, and, and and then you go into your extended family, and then you you can pray all the way. You pray for your church. Please pray for your church. Please pray for your leaders. We need your prayers. Amen? We need your prayers. So pray for, I pray for my church, and pray for the leaders, pray for you, pray for all of the members, and, and then expand on out and pray for your nation, pray for, we need revival in this nation. And let me tell you, church, I, I really, you can sense it in the Spirit, something, something is moving in a powerful way in the Spirit world over this nation. Praise God. Praise God. Our president last week, I know the only thing you are hearing about is impeachment, but did you know that last week he, through executive order, reversed that thing and defended our children's right to pray in school? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. Something is moving in the Spirit. You can feel it. You can sense it. I believe we're on the brink, and the church needs to be alert, aware, and involved in what God is trying to do in this nation. Now, I'm not here to talk politics this morning. Your polit- political ex- persuasion it doesn't matter to me one iota, one in- inch in the world, but this right here does. And, and, you, and you need to get your politics lined up with what this says right here, amen? So, so you just take that and do with it what you want to. But, but regardless of, uh, it's, it, this is a spiritual matter. The other day, one of the great leading ministers in our nation spoke to a very, very high-level official in our nation. It wasn't the president, but it was somebody that was right up there a high-level official in our nation. And he said, what's going on in our nation right now? And he said, I can answer it with one word. One word. God. He said, we're seeing the forces between good and evil clashing right now. And it's all about God. And we are at a point in our nation where we're either going to reject God and turn our back on Him, or we're going to open our hearts and our minds and our arms to God, and we're going to invite Him in to the degree where He can move across the width and breadth of this land with another great awakening. Amen? And the church must be involved in that. And we do it through prayer. We pray. We pray. Then Jesus said, after you've prayed about the kingdom of God, if you put that first, then present your needs to the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. That's your daily needs. Present those to the Lord. And then he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We've got to pray forgiveness. Let me tell you something, folks. You cannot hold unforgiveness in your heart against anybody, anywhere, anytime, period. You just can't do it. God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us for everything. And God will not allow us to hold unforgiveness in our hearts against anybody else. So if you're dealing with unforgiveness, get it under the blood. Amen. Take it to the cross, get it under the blood, because that's the criteria that God uses to forgive us, is how we forgive others. So we've got to forgive others. I don't want, I don't, when I pray and ask God to forgive me of something, I want it to be forgiven. I don't want Him to say, well, you hadn't forgiven so and so. And I know that's not always easy. I've wrestled through some tough ones on that. Uh, but God will give you the victory over it. Then He said, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's where you suit yourself up in the whole armor of God. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. 14 to 17 and learn how to put on the whole armor of God. I know people that have taught their children and they don't let their children out the door in the morning until they've suited them up in the whole armor of God. They help them put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplates of righteousness. Help them gird their loins with truth. Help them put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Help them to learn to take the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then they march them out the door as little soldiers of Jesus. Praise God. And then he says, wind up the prayer just as you started by praising the Lord and pray, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I gave, I gave those to, out to as many of you as wanted it. Some of you may not have had a chance to get them, so I'm, I did some more this morning. Uh, they, they, they took more than I thought they would in the first service, so I went back and, and made some more. And I'll just lay them right here when service is over. If you didn't get one last time and you want to get one, come get, get one of those and take it with you. You're, you're welcome to it. Now, not only how to pray, but when to pray. When should you pray? Well, I, I think it goes without saying that prayer anytime. If you look at the example of Jesus, you got no problem with that. Jesus prayed in the evening. You see that in Matthew 14:23 and in Matthew 26 and 36, you see it in Mark 14 and 32. Jesus prayed in the afternoon. You see that in Mark 6:46. Jesus prayed in the morning, Luke 9 and 28. But I believe here, is the way Jesus began every morning. Because you see it repeatedly in the four Gospels when they were searching for him and they would discover that he was somewhere alone praying early in the morning. Mark 1.35 says, Now in the morning, having risen a long way before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Why pray in the morning? Well, it sets the tone for your whole day. Amen? Your day would go a whole lot better if you started it in prayer and instead of jumping up and turning on to see what the news has to say or what the weather's going to be. or Some of you, I, I know you love to sleep just to that very last minute. And you use that little devil lever on your clock called a snooze button. <laughs> the alarm goes off and you'll hit that thing, get you another little snooze, and hit that thing, get you another little snooze. I hate a snooze button i I think it's demonic <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know we're all I know we're we're made different and geared different but if I've got to wake up, don't make me do it again. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I did. When, when, when the alarm goes off, that's enough. I've had it, I've heard it. I don't want to hear it again. And uh, anyway, <laughs> somebody called me from Fort Payne, Alabama. At two twenty this morning, woke me up. I had to get up. It was on my cell phone. I had to get my cell phone. I thought must must have an emergency somewhere, and they hung up. <laughs> and I tried to go back to sleep. I laid there ten more minutes. It felt like a half hour. I looked over the clock, it's 2.30. I said, that's it, I'm done. So I've been up since 2.30. When you get home and do whatever you're going to do, I'll be asleep (laughs) in my recliner. (laughs) I've been up a long time already, but... But here's the thing: I I haven't always been that way, and you've heard me tell this before. I used to be a a late sleeper. I was an evangelist for many years before I started pastoring, or went went on the church staff as an associate pastor. And and evangelists—they're night owls. You go to church, you have service, you pray with folks in the altar, you fellowship after church, you go home. People bring food, you eat a great big meal. You hardly ever as an evangelist get to bed before midnight, sometimes a lot later than that. And so <clears throat> as, as an evangelist, a real good time to get up is about to crack a noon. And uh, I was, I was kind of geared that way for, for years, and, and I realized that I had to change. And here, here and you've heard me tell this story, the thing that changed me. I got a call that woke me up early one morning from a cousin of mine who looks like he could play football for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a huge guy and a drug addict, been in and out of the penitentiary most of his life. And he called me early one morning and told me that he was on his way to my house and and he was going to beat me up within an inch of my life. Well, that woke me up. (laughs) And I got up. And I, I went into my where I pray. I had a little place in my house where I typically pray. I went in and got on my knees. It's the quickest God has ever answered a prayer for me. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether I should call the police and have them here ready. I don't know whether I should make sure my gun's loaded. And uh and I do have guns, folks. Um <laughs> I don't threaten anybody with that, but I, I just, I do have guns. I don't have, a, I don't have a sign on my door that this is a gun-free area. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I didn't know whether to load my gun. I didn't, I didn't know whether to get my family up and, and leave. I didn't know what to do because I, I knew he was probably strung out on drugs. And uh, he'd gotten mad at me over something that my dad had said to him it didn't even involve me, it, it was, he was mad at my dad, and so he's going to come whip me. He couldn't whip my dad, my dad had already passed away. So, uh, so he's going to whip me, I guess, take it down the family line. And uh, as, as soon as I said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I was praying Jehoshaphat's prayer, I said, my eyes are on you. Immediately the Holy Spirit said, I will take care of and called his name. He said, I will take care of him. And so I just got up from there realizing that God had it taken care of. He was, he was leaving Winston-Salem, North Carolina, headed here to whip me. And uh, I figured out exactly how much time it would take. He never did show up. I found out later he was so high when he got on 85, he missed his turn to get on 77 to come down to Columbia. And he wound up in Atlanta, Georgia. But something else happened to me that morning. The Lord spoke to me. This is way back in a long time ago, many years ago. The Lord spoke to me and said, if you'll give me the first 10% of your day, I'll take care of the rest. And that's when I became an early riser. That's when I started setting my clock to get up and pray. It wasn't easy. The first morning... I set my clock early I I woke up and I said to my body get up and my body said I don't want to and I said to my right leg get out of bed my right leg said let the left leg get up I got up first yesterday morning but I wrestled with myself and fought with myself morning after morning after morning after morning until I brought this flesh under subjection to my spirit. You remember that sermon I preached on the spirit, the soul, and the body? You get your body in line. Your body's supposed to do what you tell it to do. It's not supposed to boss you around. You're supposed to tell your body what to do and what not to do. Amen? And so I, yes, give God praise. He'll help you with that. He'll help you with that but that's when i became an early riser and and i now my body's so trained i don't i rarely even set an alarm clock you know, in fact the only night i set an alarm clock is on saturday night i set it for so i just you know i figured that if anything the devil would probably try to help me oversleep on sunday morning <laughs> but uh I, I don't i don't i don't even set an alarm i i get up and and i'm not i'm not trying to put my conviction on you. My, my covenant with God about the first 10% of the day, that's between God and me. That, that's us. I'm not going to get legalistic and tell you to do that. But I am going to say this. If, if, you, if you hit the ground every morning, if you hit the floor every morning, aggravated and frustrated and behind time, so much so that you got to scream at the kids and scream at your husband or your wife or, or whatever you have to do to get everybody going. You're pushing and shoving and trying. If if that's you, set your alarm. Maybe 10 or 15 minutes before that. Just start your day in the presence of the Lord, and it'll set the tone for the rest of your day. It'll make it so much easier for you you'll set your tone. The reason I do my first 10% of the day is because that's, that's the time that I can be alone and not be bothered by anybody. Nobody's calling me that time of morning unless it is an emergency. But uh, that, it's the most enjoyable time of my day. I've learned to fellowship with the Lord with that. But I want to take you into the scripture and show you some scriptural reasons to pray early in the morning. Well, let's go way back to Genesis chapter 32. How many of you remember Jacob in the Bible? You remember old Jacob? Yeah. Let's read about him. Verses 24 to 28. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks." That phrase right there is very important. This is what that angel that wrestled with Jacob said. Let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Why did that angel that wrestled with Jacob have to leave because the morning was coming. He said, that's what he said. He said, because of the breaking of the day. If you do a little word study, that word break there, the breaking of the day, comes from a Hebrew word that means early morning, daybreak. And it comes from a root word that means to plow or to break open, also means to inspect, to search, and to seek out. So I'm going to give you two or three reasons here why you should pray early in the morning. Number one, it's inspection time. I'm talking about for that unseen world. We're talking about living above sea level here. I'm going to take you into an unseen world. I talked to you last Sunday about the angels, the different uh, divisions of angels in, in heaven and what they do. Angels respond to the command of God. Now I know that some people think they're so spiritual that they can kind of order angels around. I don't buy into that at all. Angels do what God tells them to do. And I don't care how good looking you are or anything else, (laughs) if you violate what God tells an angel to do, you're not going to buddy-buddy with an angel and and manipulate things. Ask Balaam if you don't believe it. Balaam almost got his head cut off by an angel. His donkey was smarter than he was. He must have been a politician. I'm sorry, I shouldn't. Have said. <laughs> I, y'all gotta pray for me this morning. Uh, but his donkey was smarter than he was. His donkey saw that. His donkey saw that angel standing with a drawn sword. If, and, and he, he, He's the only thing that kept Bala, Balaam from getting in trouble. And, uh, in other words, what I'm telling you, God told that angel to block that, that, that way, that road between those two mountains of stone there. He told him to block it, not let, not let anybody by. And that, that donkey wouldn't go. He stopped, bucked on him. And and Balaam beat that donkey and fussed at that donkey, probably said some bad words to him. I don't know, but but after a while God opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw that angel. Boy, he was thankful for that donkey then. Amen. They're gonna do what God tells them to do. So the angels, there's there's an inspection time. Angels are given commands, and they have accountability. And they go report to God. You remember in Job chapter 1 the Bible says that the sons of God came before God and Satan came among them. How many of you remember that? In the first, Job showed up at inspection time when the angels, early in the morning, when the angels came to give their report to God and, and he came and accused Job falsely. And that's when the whole thing of Job started right there. And of course, God dealt with that. And you know the story. Job came out in the end, blessed of God, double portion of everything that he ever had. But uh, uh, let let me help you back up to chapter 28 in Genesis, verses 10 to 12. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba, and he went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. Notice this a ladder was set on the earth, obviously from heaven to earth, because its top reached to the heavens. So the the placing of the ladder is from here down to here. Now, some of the modern translations have tried to make this more compatible with the way we think and so forth. And, and unfortunately, when you switch that around, you lose the very message that God's trying to give us here. Um, there, <laughs> and there the angels of God were ascending and descending. Now now get the, get the picture. this is what now let me say this. this is a dream that Job, uh, that Jacob had. But God's giving him a message. He's letting him see how the the spirit world operates, how it works. Now, obviously, angels don't need ladders to get up and down on, but he's trying to help him with some natural things that will help him understand what was going on in the spirit. If I go in my garage and get a ladder, and I, I I need to get up on top of my house, I will take that ladder and place it on the ground here, and put it up on the house. And, and But this ladder is placed on the earth, obviously from heaven. Placed it on the earth. And then <clears throat> some angels are going up, and at the same time some other angels are coming down. What Jacob got a little view of was the changing of the guard of the warring angels from glory that are sent to minister to the people of God. I kind of see it like this. I see some of those angels, the ones that are going up, report uh, with those angels that are coming down with the new orders for the day. I see them high-fiving about halfway up that ladder. Angels going up, high-fiving the angels coming down. Angels coming down saying, how was it? Well, we had a pretty good night. Hope everything will be good for you as well. Yeah, we got some new orders this morning. Things are going to be different (laughs) this time tomorrow night. And, And the angels are, it's inspection time. So that's a good time to get your your praise and your worship and your petitions before the Lord. And uh, the second thing, it's inspection time, but it's also time to plow. Remember I said that bokar in the Hebrew there means to plow, to break through. It's time to break open. It's time for new orders for a new day. We see the change in the guard. We see the angels coming down with the new orders. No wonder Joshua got up early to cross the Jordan River. No wonder Joshua rose early to prepare the priest. No wonder Joshua rose early and marched around Jericho till the walls came falling down. No wonder Gideon got up early and checked the fleece. No wonder Gideon got up early to destroy the altars of Baal. No wonder Hannah got up early to worship the Lord and ask God for a child. No wonder David got up to early to check on his brothers. Turn to somebody and say, let's get up early. Psalm 63 and 1 said, O oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to get you over to the New Testament. You say, preacher, that's Old Testament stuff. Let me get you over to the New Testament. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 and 39, he's talking about the end of the age. This is the time that we're living in right now. He's talking about this time, when this time comes in history. Jesus said the harvest. He's explaining a parable to his disciples that they didn't understand when he first gave it. He gave them a a message about the the wheat and the tares and the harvest and, and all of this at the end of the age. Then Jesus had to explain it to them. In 1339 of Matthew, he said, The harvest is the end of the age. They didn't understand that. So he told them, I'm talking future tense here. And the reapers, he said, I want you to pray the Lord to send reapers into the harvest. He said, The reapers are the angels. In fact, let me show you, Matthew, if you back up to Matthew nine thirty-seven, thirty-eight, 38, here's the parable. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors into his harvest. God said that if we would seek him, especially as we come to the end of the age, that he would send us some help to help us with what we're doing in this world. And he said, "The help that he will send us are his angels. Glory to God." Now I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging to me. I saw a commercial several years ago. It, it's not on now. I, I hadn't seen it in a long time, but it stayed with me. I thought it was a, a, a commercial by a real estate company, and they showed this house that had a for sale sign out front. Just a obviously a one that uh, that. Um, the residents had just put out there themselves. It wasn't a real estate sign, it was just a for sale sign. And it showed this big nice car pulled up right out front. Man woman jumps out, they run up the sidewalk, ring the doorbell. The people come to the door and they say, your house for sale? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, we thought so. We saw the for sale sign in the yard. And said, how much do you want for it? They told them, they said, we'll take it. In fact, we'll give you $10,000 more than what you're asking for it. And then here's the hook line in the, in the real estate commercial. The realtor says, if it were that easy, you wouldn't need us. You understand? It, it's saying that sometimes you can stick a sign in the yard and, and somebody may come and buy it. But most of the time, you're probably going to need the help of somebody else. And that's what real estate agents do. They're trained and professional at doing that. They will help you. Well, I don't know about you, but with some of the stuff that I've gone through in life, I needed some help. In fact, most days I need some help. I go a little further than that every day I need some help. I welcome some help. And Jesus said, glory to God, (laughs) get on out of that bed and get your petition up before the Lord when the angels are changing guard and God will send down some angels with an order to look after you and take care of you. Oh, you say, preacher, that's spooky stuff. No, it's not. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7 and verse 14. And the angels, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Who is that? That's you. And that's me. Glory to God. God said, I'll send my angels to help you. Get up and pray and seek the Lord and get some help with what you're going through. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, we, it's inspection time. It's time to plow through. Some of you could get a breakthrough if you just pray, and seek the Lord, get some help. He'll give you a breakthrough. And the third thing here, and I'll get on to the next point and we'll close it's also time to get direction. Early in the morning, it's time to get direction for the day. Don't, don't just jump up and shove everybody out the door and run out the door getting yourself dressed while you get in the car. Don't you hate to get behind somebody at a stoplight and it turns green and they're standing up there looking in the mirror? <laughs> I just, I, I really have to control myself to not lay down on the horn, run up and bump them a little bit, give them a little encouragement to go, you know. (laughs) No. Don't do that. Get direction from the Lord for the day. God knows what you need to do today. God knows what's ahead of you for today. Praise the Lord. I have no idea what would have happened Way back though, those many years ago, if my cousin had made it to my house as high as he was. And I I don't know what would have happened. But God told me how to not only take care of that situation, he took care of it. But he told me how to take care of every day. He said, if you put me first, amen, if you give me the first part of your day, I'll take care of the rest of it. That's a good deal, church. Don't pass that up. Don't miss this. Don't pass that up. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God is offering you something here you can't do for yourself. You can't do what angels can help you do. Amen? You can't do what the name of Jesus can help you do. You can't do what the favor of God can help you do. Get that help. Get direction for the day. In Exodus 19, Moses got up early and went to the mountain to receive the direction of the Lord for all of Israel. David said in Psalms 5, 1 to 3, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King, my God, for to you I will pray, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. Some translation says it this way, In the morning I will get my direction. As I look to you, praise the Lord. And, and don't forget what Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23. It's through the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, because His compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Glory to God. Brand new mercies for every morning, morning, say morning. Morning, morning, great is thy favor. Brand new mercies. When I rose this morning, I realized that God had some brand new mercies. I want to get in on that. I need mercy. Get in on it. Don't miss it. And let me close with this. Where to pray? Where to pray? Two things I want to mention here. Number one. When, when you're really seeking God, when you're really going after God, it's good to have a place where it's just you and God. You won't be distracted by anything else. Matthew 6 and 6 says, But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. If, if you can, have that have that place that's set aside. How many of you saw The War Room? That, wasn't, that a great, wasn't that a great movie? Oh, my, my. That woman had her war room. She had that closet, that place where she prayed and, and communed with God. It's good to have that place. Susanna Wesley had, I forgot how many children. I think it was 13. I, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. It may have been more than that. She had a passel of them. And she had so many young'uns, and their house was small, and the kids were everywhere. But she had trained her children with this signal, because she prayed. She had a time that she had a prayer time with God. She sat down in a chair, and she took her apron and pulled her apron back over her head. And when she did, her kids knew, you don't bother mama till she gets done praying. That was her war room. That was her secret place. Prayer. This nation was founded on prayer. My favorite portrait of George Washington is him kneeling and praying. Any of you seen that? Beautiful portrait. I think Brother Mike has that in his office. Uh, Beautiful. George Washington on his knees. I read about a man in... That was alive at that time, and he was concerned about whether America would survive or not, whether we could stand up under the attacks of Britain, Britain uh, the British Empire. And he was out in the woods one day, and he heard a voice, and it, he started following that voice, and he came upon George Washington praying. And he went home and told his wife, he said, Honey, our worries are over. America will become a free nation. We will win this war. She said, How do you know? She said, I saw General George Washington on his knees. And I saw the tears trickling down his cheeks. And I heard him crying out to God and said, Believe me, God heard his prayer. He felt the anointing in the Spirit. Prayer works, folks. Prayer works. Prayer works. (laughs) Prayer works. So have that special place. But then, everywhere is a good place to pray. Pray wherever you are. And I take you back to that subtext that I gave you this morning in the title of my message from 1 Thessalonians 5 17. Pray without ceasing. That means that you're in an attitude of prayer with God all the time. If you'll train yourself with this, it'll keep you from making a lot of mistakes with some with some hasty decisions because you'll always, if you're in an attitude of prayer, you'll always seek to know God's will first. And God can anoint you with the Holy Spirit to make the right choice. Will you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask the prayer leaders to come, please, oh, if you will, any board members that we have that will join us up here, elders, prayer leaders, small group leaders, come. I, I want to I give you a chance to pray this morning. Pastor Steve's going to sing a song, and we're going to worship together as he sings. But you know, there is power in agreement, Jesus said, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done. And there's power in agreement. The Bible said one of you can put a thousand to flight, but two of you can put ten thousand to flight. Boy, the strength multiplies. And there's some of you standing here this morning, you've been praying about some things and you haven't been able to get through. I want you to come and pray and give that request. Find one of these prayer leaders here today and say, would you agree with me in faith? I need an answer. I need help from God. By the way, if you need a Spanish speaker over to my left, they, they, they can speak to you and communicate in Spanish with you. I, I want to give you a chance to pray. Some are already moving this way. Come on, from the back to the front, balcony to the front. If, if, you, if you have a need in prayer today, something you need, a petition you need to get up before the Lord, come on, come on, just all over the building. If you're unsaved, come this morning. there never be a greater opportunity than right now to come and give your heart to the Lord. If you're away from God, come on home this morning. Come, let somebody pray with you, lead you to the Lord. They're prayer leaders here. They'll be glad to pray with you right now. Whatever you're struggling with, it may be your finances. It may be your health. It may be your family and their situation. Whatever it is, come and let somebody join you in faith today and believe and say, we're going to stand with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to believe God for you. Feel free to come from all over the building, whatever your need might be, and let's pray. If you don't want to pray with somebody, come and find a place here at the altar and just kneel and pray.